Welcome to the Eyes Have It podcast. This is our inaugural episode. I'm Chris Blessing, and joining me is my co-host, Brent Hershey. How does it go, Brent? <laughs> it goes well, Chris. Thanks. Uh, so excited to uh, kick this off, and I'm uh, so appreciative of everyone out there that's taking their time out to listen to the first Eyes, Eyes Have It episode. Uh, this pod's been a long time coming. Thanks to COVID, we've been, what, waiting 15 months or so? Yeah, it's um, about 15 months. So, but we adjusted like everyone else, and uh, here we are. Excited to get started. So we have a great episode for you. Since this is our first episode, we're going to go through a quick synopsis of what to expect from us and from the podcast. We are two guys who get to see lots of baseball, mostly on the minor league level. Uh, we both write for BaseballHQ.com, a subscription-based fantasy baseball website, which is part of the USA Today Sports Media Network. We will talk prospects, mostly guys we've seen in person, with a fantasy tilt. We will also have guests on this program, too, from time to time. Uh, just not today. We probably should have booked one. Uh, did I miss anything? Uh well, I'm excited to be part of this new venture, I said, and to hopefully, you know, engage fantasy players with some minor league info along the way. My hope is that whether you're in a single year league and just want to know about the players that uh, get called up this season, uh, or if you're a dynasty keeper league in one of those where you're knowing and grabbing the A-ball players is, you know, really a key to success. Uh, we just hope we'll be able to add some info and analysis uh, of what we actually see with our eyes here along the way. So we look forward to interacting uh, with you listeners as well, whether it's on social media or via email. And our, you know, our goal is to make the Eyes Have It podcast be a very interactive affair. Uh, so stay tuned for ways to be in touch with Chris and I as we plan out future episodes, uh, certainly with prospects, scouting, and fantasy baseball. There'll be tons to talk about, right, Chris? I hope so. I really do hope so. But uh... I think uh, we should introduce ourselves to our audience. Brent, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm a GM of content for Baseball HQ, which is a, just a fancy way of saying I'm responsible for working with all the writers on the site. Uh, I started freelancing for HQ in 1998. That's a while ago. Came on full-time in uh, around April of 2013, and that's when Ray Murphy and I took over the day-to-day aspects of the site from founder Ron Chandler. Ray and I are also co-editors of the Baseball Forecaster, and I'm an editor and, and lead the prospect team for the Minor League Baseball Analyst publication. Uh, that's in its 16th season, and I started uh, helping out with the editing in, in 2013. That's around the time I started to go into minor league games regularly and became especially interested in the prospect landscape and how minor leaguers develop into the major league players that we that end up on our fantasy rosters. So, Chris, what should our listeners know about you? Yeah, Brent, I've been uh, covering prospects since 2009, which seems like a very, very long time. I was in my 20s, and then I went to my 30s, and now I'm in my 40s, and I'm still covering prospects. I, I actually said I'd stop when I hit 40, but uh, might as well just soldier on. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, I know, right? Uh, then, uh, so like I started at a site called Scouting the Sally. Actually, my first scouting report was not even really a scouting report. It was a report on one of your favorite all-time prospects, Jonathan, Jonathan Singleton, 
Oh, uh, you yes. Him, right? As a Phillies fan? Absolutely. Growing up a Phillies fan, that was a uh, – Jonathan Singleton was a big deal at one point. Big deal at one point. Got traded to the Astros and never was heard from again. Uh, so uh, that was my first report. I then moved on to the Bullpen Banter website uh, with a bunch of great guys. Most of them are actually working in org work or uh, our lawyers. So uh, they've moved on to bigger and brighter things. Uh, we've we still got one dude that, uh, other than myself, that's covering prospects. If you ever get to uh, Prospect Pipeline, you'll find Steve over there. Uh, he's one of our, I think he's the lone alumni that uh, is from that site uh, that's still publishing. And then, of course, before I was here at HQ, I was with uh, rotoscouting.com, which was run by my good friend Mike. He also ran uh, uh, Scouting to Sally. Mike pretty much taught me the ropes in this uh, in this business and actually taught a bunch of people ropes. Uh, Jeffrey Paternostro from Baseball Perspectives is a guy that uh, links him as a mentor. Uh, also, several uh, organizational scouts also say that he was the guy that got them started uh, in, in covering prospects. Uh, I've been at Baseball HQ since 2015. I primarily contribute to the Eyes Habit series. I also contribute to the Baseball Forecaster and the Minor League Baseball Analyst. Um, and then in addition to that, I've done some USA Today Sports Weekly articles. And I also help out with the Lindy's Baseball Preview by writing up the Phenoms uh, article every i guess i do it in november it gets published in february so every year and uh finally because i'm a busy busy man i'm an associate scout uh covering prep and college prospects for an mlb organization brent what are your home ballparks yeah we're gonna uh end up talking a lot about the guys we see so it's uh just give a quick rundown of where we each do that. I live in Philadelphia, so I have several parks that are nearby. It's a good location. Uh, I often go to Wilmington, which is a high A Nationals affiliate. Uh, Trenton, New Jersey is not far away, which this year is a AAA Blue Jays uh, affiliate. Uh, I also get out to Reading, which is a AA Phillies, and Jersey Shore, which is high A Phillies. Um, those are the main ones I attend. But I also can fairly easily get to uh, Lehigh Valley, which is AAA Phillies, and Scranton Wilkesbury, which is AAA Yankees. Uh, I'll be going up to Somerset some uh, in northern New Jersey, which is AA Yankees. I get out to Harrisburg, which is AA Nationals, and uh, Aberdeen going further south, which is high A Orioles this year. So I'll likely visit uh, most of those uh, at some point during the season. Yeah, it uh, seems a, like you. Uh, it actually seems like you own the Phillies and the Nationals organization. Uh, uh, you just basically camp out there, correct? Yeah. Well, there, it was a little more, let's just say, organizationally diverse before the uh, before the Major League Baseball switcheroo or and uh, you know pare down of the minor leagues. Uh, but but since then, uh, yes, it's become kind of Nationals and Phillies centric uh so we'll see uh see a lot of those players uh from those two orgs this season uh what about you chris which parks do you call home or frequent there in your yeah. location i i go to a lot of games i i primarily go to double a uh chattanooga which is uh in the double a south league uh which is the reds organization so i, I get to see good reds prospects and 
We'll actually talk about one a little later, hopefully, Hunter Green. Uh, I also get to go see the Rome Braves, which is the high A affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. Um, and that gets my high A coverage. And those two are my home ballparks within an hour. After that, I also can get to Gwinnett and Nashville, uh, which are AAA uh, organizations. Uh, Birmingham, Rocket City, and Tennessee, which are three of the other seven AA South affiliates. So I, I pretty much have that covered. Uh, uh, I've never been to Rocket City. That's a brand new team that's uh, in Huntsville, actually. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I also can get to Asheville and Greenville. Uh, for high A. Asheville's my preferred high A alternate uh, site because of the great uh, beer city that it is. And then finally, I have one low A affiliate, which is actually in South Carolina, even though everybody thinks it's in Georgia, and that is uh, the Augusta Green Jackets. Uh, and they are actually an affiliate of the Atlanta Braves as well. So I get a lot of Braves coverage and Cubs coverage and uh, Reds coverage and a lot of other teams. Uh, I have a potpourri of uh, coverage within my area. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about uh, you know thinking about putting this podcast together and and actually doing it here uh, going forward is just that you know you and I live in different two different locations, uh, but each of us have this sort of wide net of uh, of games that we can get to, and you know we talk about what the home affiliates are, obviously, um, as far as player coverage. But then they, you know, we both keep an eye on all the visiting teams that come through and we get to see, you know, and kind of make priority uh, for those visiting teams that have uh, fantasy-worthy prospects uh, as, as they come through there and, and as our schedules allow to be able to, uh, to uh, view and observe and scout those prospects. Every time we have a top prospect make his MLB debut, we're going to talk about it here on the podcast. This last week, we had two MLB debuts from the same organization in the same game. Mariners outfielder and uh, the guy that's broken many Mets fans' hearts, Jarrett <laughs> Kalenic, and pitcher Logan Gilbert. Uh, Brent actually saw Kalenic in single A during the 2019 season, and I actually saw Logan Gilbert, uh, in his draft year of 2018, pitching for Stetson University, which is actually the same school that produced Corey Kluber and Jacob DeGrom. So, like, they have a lot of success uh, um, so far developing some pitchers into Major League uh, Cy Young arms. Um, so we're going to kind of go back and forth on this one, and we're going to start with uh, Kalenic. Um uh, potential AL Rookie of the Year candidate, uh, Brent, off of his first four games in the major, what has stood out for you? Yeah, I got a chance to check out Kalnick's uh, at-bats here in the first weekend. And I think the first thing that stood out to me is just that, you know, Seattle is batting him leadoff, uh, which I think goes a long way towards uh, understanding the confidence that the club has in him, uh, you know, to throw him to throw him right in there with all the hype and, and all the hubbub about uh, being a top prospect, you know, residing on top five of most, if not all, of kind of the prospect lists, uh, and end up just to put him out there as, a, as their leadoff batter. Um, I think it, it was a good look overall for the weekend. I mean, he's, he's going to strike out some. Uh, he struck out 
you know, has five K's in his first 18 at bats. Um, and he, I mean, but know, everybody does that, you know, everybody yeah. strikes out. Exactly. I mean, and, and it's nothing, you know, it's nothing crazy, uh, in the, in that first look in the majors, um, you know, his, he had an 80% contact rate in 2019 in his full, uh, in his full season, his last stop, um, Cleveland pictures, I thought, you know, how they pitched him was interesting. They, you know, they started him off with a, uh, fastball from the, from the get-go police act did. And he, uh, you know, hit a, hit a, a fly ball that Naylor made that, uh, play on up against the uh, up against the stands you know and and it was really interesting that he was he was a, aggressive and ready to swing on that first pitch uh uh to go um and that, i think after that then they they really cleveland really mixed up the pitch mix a good bit um you know which which showed a kind of certain respect uh for him they just didn't think they could it obviously it was obvious that they didn't think they could just blow fastballs by him all weekend um, overall, I mean, I, I love the intensity, uh, and you saw the aggressiveness, like I said, swinging at that first pitch, um, on those, on the Friday game where he, where he had the, you know, the two doubles and the home run, the, um, the doubles, you know, neither of them were sure thing doubles. Both of them were kind of hustle doubles, uh, you know, showing, showing some speed, uh, there and, uh, you know, some aggressive instincts, which obviously, uh, for us thinking about fantasy implications, uh, are good things to have if he's leading off um, and having those instincts and the speed to run. I think it could, um, you know, it, it could end up with being some uh, stolen bases. Uh, yeah, but I I've, think that, I've I've actually excuse me. Uh, I actually wondered about the run tool. Uh, it's something that has been reported that his uh, home to first times have been sometimes below average. Uh, do you think this is just a guy that is getting out of the box slowly or, you know, do you think it's a speed thing? Because like from what I was watching this weekend, uh, he seemed to move pretty well. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember him having a stolen base attempt, but like those kind of things, uh, I, I wonder if the speed's being a little bit uh, understated right now, or yeah. or it might be overstated because everybody was so high and thought he was a plus runner, and he may still be a plus runner. I don't know, but like, um, you know, him hustling out of the box obviously means he's he's getting somewhere. So, so do you feel like he's a above average runner? Maybe a little less than that. Maybe a little less than average. I thought he seemed about average, but I, he really, uh, you know, I think the aggressiveness and the, and the hustle that he showed, uh, on both of those, uh, on both of those doubles, one was, one was a, uh, you know, kind of a liner into the gap, but didn't, you know, didn't get through, it was deep, but didn't get through the outfielders. And the other one was, uh, kind of more of a bloop double down a left field line. Uh, I thought the fact that, that he was, that he got the second, uh, fairly, uh, easily on plays that not necessarily you'd think right off the right off the swing that oh it's going to be a double uh, you know just bodes well for uh, for the aggressiveness and 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 that he'll be able to contribute to stolen bases in that in that way I mean we'll we'll see I mean the other thing is that I don't think in these first four games he was ever on first base at all uh, <laughs> just he just has those three hits all all extra base hits uh, a couple strikeouts and some flyouts and uh, a few grounders. So he hasn't, hasn't taken a walk, hasn't gotten a single and been on first base. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to see some of that 
Uh, we'll certainly be able to see some of that here as uh, as his at bats accumulate. You know, one thing I'm very interested in is uh, uh, where Kalinic plays in in the next few years. Uh, were you able to? I know on on television it's very hard, uh, and this is this is one of the things when you're video scouting, you can't really tell how somebody is defensively. So this might yeah. be a little bit of a loaded question. It might actually go back to your prior look. Uh, you you saw him in high or in low A, is that correct? Yeah, uh, his first, uh, you know, the the uh, season right after, well, it was his first full season in 2019. Uh, in low A, it was uh, a series um, in the in late April uh, into May, so it was just a month into kind of his uh, full season. He was 19 years old. Um, and I saw him play a couple games there at uh, Lakewood, currently Jersey Shore, again, as one of these visiting players. I mean, from from the get-go there, uh, and he was playing center field at that point, uh, the bat was just impressive. I mean, the first the first game, uh, he clocked a home run uh, in his first at-bat to right center, then took, uh, took a ball into the right center field gap for a double, you know, one of those that kind of gets to the wall. Um, and then uh, in his final at bat, just hit a line drive on a line uh, straight out to uh, center field and just showed that, uh, you know, he was on, on velocity, uh, tracking the off speed stuff well. And it just was, you know, it just was a really, he kind of, there was, you know, a certain amount of hype around him at that point because he had been traded uh, at that point from the Mets to the Mariners uh, during that off season. Um, but here he was at 19 and totally looked like he belonged uh, in full season ball. And I remember just, you know, watching him again, the second game, just noting on his balance in the box and kind of, you know, controlling, uh, controlling the strike zone um, and just, just those hard hit balls uh, that just were uh, smoked. It, by then you kind of confirm that, you know, even at that level, uh, there was a special talent there. And you're right. He was he was playing center field at that point and uh, moving uh, moving well as far as I remember. Uh, and I, th I think it probably, you know, my my feeling is a sort of it depends on kind of who else he's with. You know, uh, he certainly I think can handle center field at least here early in his career. But uh, as long as Kyle Lewis uh, keeps doing Kyle Lewis things, uh, mm -hmm. he'll probably be a corner uh, for as long as Lewis is out there, but it's something I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. Lewis gets a day off and he slides Kalnick over to center and, uh, you know, may not lose uh, a bunch. Yeah. I, I, I think I was, I was very curious to hear people talk about him possibly having to move to first base and like watching him in spring training, watching him now, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be limited to first base. Uh, I do realize that the throwing arm isn't that strong. Maybe right field isn't isn't the place for him. But right now, he kind of makes up for it with some athleticism. Uh, and even if he does grow to be larger than he is now, uh, I mean, theoretically, at worst, he's a left fielder. But, like, uh, he should be able to play a fringe center field at least. Uh just given his athletic history and uh, his experience out in center field, uh, yeah. he wasn't terrible there. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think for sure, and and certainly, you know, even if he's at a corner, the bat certainly there's a it, it's a corner bat, 
you know, basically yeah. to, to carry him out there. So I know we also uh, we also saw uh, Logan Gilbert this weekend. Um, what uh, what were your impressions of uh, of Gilbert's first start there on on Thursday night? You know, Gilbert Gilbert seemed very very. I don't know what the right word is for this. Uh, a little skittish uh, compared to what he was in the minor leagues, what we've seen in, in places like spring training. And even yeah. what I saw when I scouted him in 2018 with Stetson, uh, his strikeout rate was was around average, or strike rate, not strikeout rate. Uh, strike rate was around average at about 68%. Uh, he did get about 13 swings and misses. Most of those swings and misses came off his slider, which – we're going to get to those uh, pitches uh, in a second. Uh, had a lot of chases, uh, a lot more than I thought uh, after watching him. Of course, you know, uh, scouting him and, you know, where the strike zone is and stuff, I felt like the hitters were adjusting to the the human strike zone that, that, that was uh, being used mm-hmm. that day. I don't really necessarily see these as chases, as more so uh, pitches that, you know, might have been barely out of the zone or something like that. Uh, he was primarily three pitches, uh, which is kind of crazy because I saw him have six pitches when I scouted him at Stetson mm. against Kennesaw. Uh, his fastball was in the mid-90s. Uh, his issue uh, in this game was specifically fastball command. At this point, it's probably an average fastball. Uh, it probably projects to be above average. He's he's a guy that has always had good command and good control of his pitches. And, you know, I kind of see him, uh, you know, being more of a guy that throws, that that uses his fastball to pitch, you know, basically use his fastball to then get to his swing and miss offering, which in this case is a, a low 80s slider. Uh, and the slider has very good vertical and horizontal break. Uh, I would say that it's above average to plus pitch right now. Uh, just from that from that view and seeing how hitters, especially right-handed hitters, responded to that pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. The other pitch he threw was a mid-70s, very loopy knuckle curveball, uh, which was something that he had in, in, in college as well. And really and truly, it didn't look like it had, you know, gained much uh, since that time. Uh I had it as projected as a a four pitch, uh, and it looked very much like a four pitch. It's it's mostly used to change eye levels, uh, given the um, the uh, tunnels that he uses. Uh, the fastball slider come through like like at the same tunnel for most of the most of the progression. Yeah. So at some point, he needed something to kind of change eye levels, and and that's that was what he sat on. Uh, um, for what he settled on, I should say, for that pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought too, I mean, would you say, I mean, it sort of struck me that, uh, I mean, I agreed like the fastball command wasn't great during that outing, but, uh, you know, he, he was also around the plate too. Like it wasn't yes. like he was missing crazy. So, I mean, it's almost like this, uh, whole, you know, good control, but not quite the command that you would, uh, hope to see, hope to see yet. Um, and that's, that's interesting to talk about the, the slider and, and the curveball. Uh, I kind of wonder, you know, as, as he's going on too, uh, you know, will, will those, will both of those, will, will that arsenal kind of be enough against left-handed hitters, you think? I mean, is that going to be uh, a problem or is that, uh, is the fact that, 
you know, that he's tunneling those pitches well and, and changing the eye levels. Is that going to be enough? Yeah, I'm a little actually concerned uh, that he doesn't have a pitch uh, against lefties. I, I mean, I could see the slider, you know, being effective against lefties, but uh, continual swing and miss pitch against left-handed pitchers or hitters, I should say, uh, is something that's a little far-fetched in my opinion. Uh, in college, he actually threw a cutter, uh, which might have been an accidental cutter. Uh, but in the game I scouted, and granted it was against Kennesaw State, and, and Kennesaw State wasn't the greatest team uh, in 2018, uh, even though they actually hammered him in this game. Uh, and, and that's a story for a different day. It was kind of shocking. Uh, but anyway, the cutter was the pitch that he primarily used against left-handed bats. Uh, okay. And he established makes- early. It had tight and sharp uh you know, horizontal break. And it really was his, uh, it was his go-to pitch there. He also threw a changeup. The changeup was kind of, eh. Uh, Actually, I gave it a three out of eight, which is uh, 30 on the 80, on 2080 scouting scale. So I wasn't really a big fan of that changeup. So, um, (laughs) and, you know, I, I did have some concerns even then that, there was some issues against lefties. Like he didn't have that swing and miss pitch against lefties. Uh, yeah. And, and so like, yeah, there's, there's some question marks there that, that probably need to be resolved before we can really, uh, before he really can have success at the major league level. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's one start too. perhaps, uh, like you said, I, 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 that's the first time I had seen him. Uh, so I wasn't, as familiar with him, but he, he looked uh, looked a little more rookieish, let's say, than than Kelnick did. Certainly, uh, as far as uh, you know, settling in, and and you know, it's a different it's a different thing too when you're uh, the pitcher out there controlling the game. Uh, you know, the first you know your first major league debut um, against the best hitters in the world. So uh, we'll give him that. But it'll be interesting to see, um, like you said, kind of have to you know have to watch is kind of uh, platoon splits going forward and uh as as we get more data and more starts kind of uh you know we can kind of stay on this and add add that to our uh evaluation um but it's interesting you you talk about uh you know not having a swing and miss uh stuff i don't know how many swings and misses he got the other night but it um you know it didn't seem like like a ton and, and, you know, he missed some spots up in the zone, gave up a couple of home runs, uh, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, there was actually 13 total swing and misses. Uh, most of them were off the slider. Okay. Uh, which makes sense. I mean, that it, it totally makes sense. And it was mostly against right-handed hitters. Against right-handed hitters, right? Yeah. Going, going down away there. But, uh, I mean, we don't, we don't need to, we don't need or mean to bash him in any way. It's just, uh, it's just picking out, uh, you know, picking out some of these details is kind of, uh, Interesting as we think well, about what he will, you know, what he will develop into. And this is the kind of thing when you go and watch somebody, uh, you know, just like organizational scouts, we usually only have one look at a pitcher. Uh, we can go ahead and look at some video uh, through the MILB TV app. We, we could do that, too. And, uh, you know, when we go and look at a guy, it's usually over one start. So, like. Even if they're having a great game, we've got to temper down some of those expectations. And if they're not yeah. having the best of days, we've got to, you know, try to factor in, you know, conditions, lineups, 
Um, nerves. Yep. Nerves is a big deal here. Uh, I think yeah. that he was nervous as, as much of a bulldog as he is on the mound, uh, uh, who just attacks guys. And I, I, they use the word pitchability a lot uh, when they talk yeah. about Gilbert. Gilbert has a good pitchability, has a good mm-hmm. understanding of his pitch mix, his pitch design, all of those things. So, like, not to you know, smashed our one look at him, but like it was exactly just one look. So we, we've got to really make sure that we do our due diligence. Uh, and, and maybe this is a guy that we talk about later in the season, maybe at a mid season review or something where we, we cover prospects as they, they debut because, uh, you know, he'll graduate probably if he, if he makes his starts this year, he probably graduates sometime later in the summer. Yeah. No, that's a that's a really good point. We can uh, certainly certainly work that in. Um, kind of circle back with some of these yep. uh, debuts that we take, and uh, the you know the bigger data set we have, uh, we can come to hopefully more informed conclusions or educated guesses about where we think these guys will end up. One of the features of the Eyes Have a Podcast uh, will be obviously our live looks at the minor league, as we talked about uh, Kelnick and. Uh, Logan Gilbert's debut, but uh, we want to chat about some of the guys we've seen so far in these first couple of weeks of the minor league season. Chris, I know you had a article on uh, on the site a couple of weeks ago uh, that focused on Reds prospect Hunter Green, who, as you mentioned, uh, is one of the Reds' big kind of star players at Double A Chattanooga, where you're at there. And uh, I know that you got out to see him in his initial start. And I know um, this is the first time you saw him in person. But, of course, you know, you've done work with him on video. You talked to contacts. Um, what did you see about that first start that, uh, that, you really, that you really liked? I know that that was, that was one that got a little bit of buzz nationally um, because Green had uh, – 10 strikeouts was it in his uh in his debut there um what can you what can you tell us about or eight strikeouts Uh, yeah yeah uh so like first off hunter green uh starting we didn't really know what to expect going in I, i i looked at some video from spring training uh he had appearance against the angels it wasn't a good appearance against the angels he seemed pretty amped uh struggling commanding his fastball uh you know, got through that start, learned from it. Uh, it seems like he really uh, kind of turned a corner during spring training, during minor league spring training. Uh, while there was reports that he was up to 105 in backfield games, uh, I think the big thing about him is we started hearing some buzz that, hey, this kid might be might be getting it. He might, might be uh, uh, learning how to pitch. So... Uh, coming into this game, I kind of had a blank slate on on Green. Uh, I knew he was one of the top five uh, Reds prospects. Uh, I feel like you could have put them in any sort of uh, direction uh, and not be wrong in the in the preseason. Uh, I think I actually had Austin Hedrick, the number one, their number one pick. Uh, but after seeing this appearance and then also seeing two appearances afterwards on video, uh, Hunter Green very much looks like the Reds' number one prospect. He also very much looks like one of the better pitching prospects in all of baseball. Uh, and what was really interesting about the start, mind you, most of the headlines came from, from all the fastballs he threw over 100 miles per hour, which 
really and truly it was an unbelievable sight. I'd never seen anybody. Yeah. Well, actually, nobody had ever seen anybody throw as many uh, hundred mile per hour pitches as uh, as we saw Green. Uh, I actually had him touching one hundred three. Trackman had him at one one hundred two point six. I would I would believe Trackman, but you know you would <laughs> you always want to round up, right, Brent? <laughs> Oh, yeah. You can round up. That's for sure. Yeah. You need to. But, so, point. yeah, 103. We had him at 103. Uh, he threw 35 or 36. I, I can't remember the exact number uh, of uh, it might have been like 33. Maybe I'm um, I'm going a little batty. It's been a long day. Uh, but uh, of his 43 fastballs over 100 miles per hour. And actually, nobody in the stack cast there in MLB had come close to that. Uh I guess I guess Jacob Degrom might be making a making a push towards that, but uh, <laughs> Hunter Green has a lot of age on him, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, but really and truly, what was remarkable about, remarkable about this start was uh, was how he pitched. He was not good at the start of the the game. Uh, his fastball was getting a little too too much of the plate. Uh, he wasn't locating it whatsoever. Um, and and a lot of hard contact happened in the first couple innings, uh, but the, as the game moved on, he started settling in, and and as he settled in, he was able to start hitting spots with a hundred mile per hour plus pitch, uh, yeah. and was absolutely destroying guys up, um, especially with the yeah. I think I had a video on Twitter of a hundred and one mile per hour fastball uh, that just kept rising. Uh, his fastball is best in the upper quadrant. Um, so he has to be really careful when he's, uh, you know, middle, middle or lower to where he places the pitch. And that's kind of where he got hurt uh, early on. Um, the other thing that was very, uh, I think it was actually a bigger development. Uh, while we've always kind of known that there's been this uh, double plus slider uh, in this uh, prospect's arsenal. Uh, this 88 to 90 mile per hour slider that I saw uh, was was a phenomenal pitch. Uh, he was throwing it a little lighter in spring training and uh, last year and even before he got hurt when he got Tommy John surgery in 2018, uh, he was kind of throwing this slider at like the 83, 84, 85. Now he's throwing at 88, 90. It's incorporating a much better movement profile where it's uh, taking advantage of both vertical and horizontal uh, movement. And quite frankly, it's, it's a swing and miss pitch. So uh, with the four seamer being a swing and miss pitch up and the slider being a swing and miss pitch, uh, this guy has all the ingredients to be a starter. Uh, the one thing I did not see was, was the change up, which I did see in uh, warmups, but Really and truly, I think this start was about uh, establishing his fastball and his fastball command more so than even the slider. I you can you can still scout a guy's changeup and uh, even even if it's just in warmups. And you know, I saw a potential above average offering. Uh, the one thing that I do caution uh, people about is changeup is very much a field pitch, uh, so. Like it might feel good in the pen or in warmups, but it doesn't always feel good in the game uh, when the adrenaline is pumping and all of that good stuff. But yeah. uh, one of the things that Green has over 
pretty much anybody's uh, uh, double plus athleticism. He's he's somehow a tall, wiry dot guy that like weighs two hundred thirty pounds. I don't. It's a hard <laughs> sight to really explain, but like he's still yeah. kind of wiry, uh, yeah. and like there's still room to grow. And like uh, this guy is going to just absolutely dominate hitters uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. as he moves on. Yeah, one of the things, too, I mean, we talked about this with, uh, you know, with like the one look at uh, Logan Gilbert, kind of what to take from that. I'm now looking at his, uh, you know, at his game logs here, um, and it's pretty much been the same thing uh, for all three starts. Uh, Second start went five innings, just like the first start, seven Ks, one walk. Uh, Six innings in his third start, 10 Ks and uh two walks so overall he's you know three starts 16 innings struck out 25 three walks uh given up a home run three earned runs i mean that's a that's a pretty nice uh pretty nice start at least statistically uh i mean assuming assuming that uh the pitches scouted out similarly in the starts two and three uh he's definitely someone uh to get excited about he's had a great yeah. uh, a great great start of the season yeah, I look forward to seeing him. Hopefully, uh, um, uh, not this week, but next week, hopefully I run into him again. Uh, yeah. So, like, you know, one of these great things was I was the only one who got to see top pitching prospects uh, since the start of the season. Actually, uh, last week, Brent checked in on two Nationals pitching prospects. Believe it or not, the Nationals have pitching prospects. Uh, it's yes, been they, a while, yeah. uh, like, since the days of <laughs> – I I mean, they, I know that Joe Ross got acquired, but like, I mean, Steven Strasburg was the last legit. Well, I mean, Luke, Louis, Lucas Giolito, I forgot about him. But like, it's been pretty bare uh, yeah. uh, in their organization. So like Brent actually got to see prospects. Yeah, so that was, that was good. I got to, made two trips down to Wilmington uh, over the past week. Uh, got to see... Uh, uh, 2020 first rounder Kate Volley first. He uh, he started out with some 97, settled in at uh, 93, 95. He's a uh, well-built kind of proportioned uh, right-hander. Um, good, uh, clean mechanics. Um, there was some questions on his. Uh, he went to Oklahoma, and there were some questions about why he fell in the draft that were tied to. You know, did he miss enough bats kind of in college for the for the stuff that he had? Um, and sh- certainly uh, last uh, last week when I saw him, uh, he had the stuff to miss some bats, uh, had several swings and misses on the fastball, had eight K's, um, you know, threw first pitch strikes a good bit. Uh, the slider uh, was 84, 85. And the shape was varied. You know, some inconsistency there. But uh, the tight ones were really good. Uh, showed a changeup uh, that he could get, uh, you know, get called strikes with, uh, sort of as a, as a surprise pitch. Um, and even had an 80 to 82, you know, curveball that was definitely a number four pitch. But again, uh, for him, changed eye levels and was uh, came in much uh, slower uh, there. He was he was getting squeezed a bit uh, with some of the calls. He was definitely around the plate. I think he's you know got the attributes there with his uh, body type and repeatable mechanics to be a, a strike thrower. Um, you know, kind of comes out of a high slot. Uh, had had good control. I think one of the most 
uh, impressive things that he is he really kind of, you know, looked apart. Um, he was composed and focused, uh, very competitive. Uh, you could tell uh, it didn't, you know, didn't bother him. Um, anyway, he went through uh, five innings pitched, uh, 83 pitches. It just gave up one hit, had eight Ks and uh, three walks, which again were uh, some of them were pretty close pitches. It wasn't like he was uh, missing by a mile. Um, and really nothing, nothing was hit hard. I think there was uh, two balls into the outfield, the single and a fly ball, and the rest were, uh, were either strikeouts, uh, outs were either strikeouts or uh, weak grounders. I mean, I think he's, again, just seeing him for the first time, and, and like you with Green, I'll probably be able to see him uh, more, assuming that he stays um, for a portion of the season there at Willington. But, he, you know, it definitely looks like a mid-rotation sort of starter, uh, you know, a chance for number two if, the, you know, if he can develop that change up to keep lefties honest and, uh, and or, you know, tighten up the slide or some. But it was, it was a, a pretty impressive outing, again, for Kay Cavalli, um, right-handed pitching prospect for the Nationals. Yeah, um, you know, during his draft year, speaking to some amateur scouts with uh... – with coverage of the Oklahoma team, they were, you know, you'd go from one uh, scout to another scout and, and one guy would love them. The other mm-hmm. guy was kind of like, you know, I kind of see, I see, I see a major league starter or I see a yeah. major pitcher, but I don't necessarily see, uh, you know, a number two, number three type starter. Uh, and mostly it was because of the swing and miss. Uh, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like he's uh, the pitch design, especially of his uh, his slider? Do you feel like that pitch design will will be able to something that he can can transfer to get swing and misses on the major league level? Yeah, I I uh, think so. Again, the the and because the ones the good ones that I saw uh, did just that kind of you know were were tight in the zone and and missed the bats. Um, it certainly will depend on, uh, you know, maintaining, you know, getting and maintaining that pitch consistently, uh, there, because there was some, there was some sliders where the shape was not, you know, got a little, got a little loopy and, and, and could be tracked easier. Um, but again, the, you know, the, I don't know, I just go back to the mechanics being solid. Uh, they just didn't hitters, you know, again, high A hitters, but still we're not, you know, we're not getting good swings against them. Uh, we're not making uh, hard contact. And uh, I just think the ingredients are there uh, to kind of stay in the rotation um, for sure. But yeah, we'll see um, what happens. yeah. So you got to see another guy as well. You got to see Jackson Rutledge, who, you know, Speaking with scouts during his draft year, too, I, I actually speak to a lot of scouts. Uh, uh, they don't return my calls all the time, but uh, <laughs> I do try to try to try to talk to them. But like uh, there was a lot more like, well, while Cavalli had, you know, most everybody was in agreement, major league pitcher uh, yeah. with Jackson Rutledge. There was uh, a lot of people that had some, you know, that were really, really high on him, almost as high as uh, we're, we're talking about Cavalli, even higher than that. Um, yeah. And then we also had guys that were kind of like, I don't know if this dude makes it. Uh, again, he was in the junior college ranks. So, like, you know, there's yeah. some sort of biased uh, 
that some scouts have, they won't admit to it to junior college or lower division guys. Uh, no, of course. So yeah. w- what did you see in your scout at start? Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, Rutledge seeing him a couple days after Cavalli and I'll preface this too, by saying when I was putting together the nationals list uh, this off season, the people that I talked to had seen them both. It was kind of either way. I mean, one, uh, they were definitely the two best prospects uh, in the Nationals organization. Yeah, it is the um, Nationals for for that. You know, like the Nationals don't really have anybody else, do they? <laughs> not not a, not not deep system, no. Um, but you know, when my question to them was kind of which one do you prefer, it was sort of uh, one. You know, one of them may like Cavalli a little better for this reason. Another guy uh, likes Rutledge. There was no clear cut. Um, you know, no clear cut answer uh, for me. Uh, the Rutledge look was then, you know, interesting to see these guys back to back. You know, for those that don't know, he's a he's a tall six, eight, two, forty five guy, uh, you know, high waist, long legs, long limbs. Uh, basically, um, his mechanics were simple, but it's, a, you know, it's a bit, you know, he was a bit stiff. Uh, the interesting thing was, is the Velo was definitely there. Um, you know, he, he was kind of sat 94, 95. He hit a bunch of 97s early on. Um, but it was, a, it was a kind of fastball that, like, you know, you see, you see the reading come up and you're sort of surprised. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't like that uh, ride to it or there wasn't that, that sort of cackle, you know, or crackle to it. I mean, it didn't, it didn't miss bats. Um, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, it was more contact than what you thought than what I thought would be uh, when you see someone uh, with his build kind of uh, pumping out that, that kind of uh, velocity. The uh, slider was 81, 84. Um, you know, he's a high three quarters guy to sort of over the top. So it's a definitely a more vertical movement of a slider uh, drops. He got some swings and misses, but it, it looks more like a, you know, just like an, an average pitch to me. Um, the changeup was in the, Mid 80s, uh, he threw a couple of those to lefties, but there, uh, that wasn't really uh, effective. And uh, he also, you know, threw a uh, 75 to 80 kind of curveball that was pretty easy to identify out of his hand. It was definitely, in some way, similar to Cavalli's. You know, this is a definite fourth pitch. Uh, we'll use it uh, some, and um, you know, but once once he rises up the levels and continues to refine things. Uh, you easily could see that something that gets, uh, if, if it's not developed further, uh, you know, gets not used at all. Um, but again, he had, you know, he had 70, he stayed in, had 77 total pitches, only got through three innings. Uh, there was lots Ooh. of, you know, there was lots of foul balls uh, and balls of play. Again, balls in play, again, from these high eight hitters, uh, you know, off of what seems like, uh, you know, what's seems like plus velocity almost so it was it was really interesting uh to see um for a big guy you know he has has a his mechanics are simple and he has a short kind of arm circle short arm action um which usually means some deception but i i mean this night Mm -hmm. anyway that certainly was not happening so it was a it was a whole interesting mix uh when you take it together like that um you know, if you go strictly by the velo readings, you kind of want to like the guy or, you know, you want to get excited about that. But the results were were definitely uh, showing something else. Now, he was 
he was very fastball heavy. So again, high A, maybe, you know, maybe that's what they wanted him to work on is just throw fastballs and work on uh, command. Um, but uh, he definitely got knocked around a little bit more than, more than what I uh, thought. Yeah. Um, you know, what you described to me, it sounds like uh, stiff delivery. Stiff delivery is a little scary. And the fact that like we need to get a changeup developed out of this guy. I know that like having three pitches or having having that off speed pitch isn't isn't as in vogue as it once once was. But when you right. when your pitches are as easy to see as somebody like uh, Rutledge, it seems uh, you probably need to develop that changeup. And a guy with a stiffer uh, motions gonna gonna have a little more issue doing that because. Uh, you know, they're not going to sell it as well. Uh, yeah. They tend to be guys that will slow down their arm when they throw the slider or when they throw yeah. the changeup, excuse me. Um, yeah. uh, so I was interested that like the curveball was kind of the fourth pitch. Uh, given his arm slot, uh, you would think that the curveball would have been would have been a better pitch. It wouldn't have been something that uh, that he gave away, uh, essentially. Uh, so, uh, you know. I think I already know this answer, but I had it written down. If you're a manager looking for a young pitcher, which one of these two guys, uh, Cavalli or Rutledge, do you roster as a fantasy guy? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's Cavalli for sure out of this look, um, just just because of the, you know, the the elements are closer to being, you know, put together. Uh, yeah. basically. And, and, and I think then giving him a greater chance to succeed uh, kind of at the major league uh, level. I mean, it's just, again, trying to keep in mind, as you mentioned before, uh, somewhere like just that, you know, the competition that these guys are facing, I mean, they're, it's high A, so it's several, you know, it's several levels away from the major leagues. But um, again, and, and it's just one look, but again, the fact that uh, high A guys were Constantly, constantly on base against Rutledge, uh, constantly, you know, not having problems with uh, that kind of velocity. There, um, you know, I think there was, you know, that they certainly were not being deceived at all. And if you know, if they were just be able to time it well or pick it up out of his hand uh, better than what they uh, would think, uh, you know, just says says a lot for now uh, about about uh, where we are protecting his future. But definitely because because I've heard, you know, and I've talked to people that that like Rutledge and think that there's uh, that there's definitely a major league pitcher, a major league starter in there. Uh, we'll definitely want to want to follow uh, him and get a couple of other starts in to watch and see uh, to see how uh, how he progresses. Uh, we hope as the season yeah. goes on. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh... I think that just moves us on to our final segment of the evening before we say goodbye. Uh, yeah. uh, both of us are on the road this week, so I, I, I personally have gotten some got some coverage that I'm really looking forward to, especially after a week where I didn't go go to the ballpark at all because both my home teams were out and all the road matchups, all my my travel matchups weren't that great. Uh, <laughs> I could have I could have seen some Cardinals prospects in Nashville at AAA level and. Yeah, I think I made the better decision because it wasn't uh, it wasn't a pretty game that I would have attended. So, um, so <laughs> sometimes you get it right, right? You decide. Yeah, not sometimes to go, you do. And then, and then you like, see the boxes. Last time, and it's I, like... last time I went to Nashville, I had uh, I had Dustin May and uh, 
Gavin Lutz and, and yeah. uh, the Peters kid. And like, I just hit the jackpot there. Um, yeah. But most of the time it's not hitting the jackpot. It's sadness. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, I've got coverage this week, high A prospects in the Rays and the Braves organization, uh, which for me is going to be a good position player hall. As, as you notice already in my articles and, and my two articles this week, I've been heavy on the pitcher because the pitcher is easy to scout uh, with limited yeah. views. Uh, so like uh, we're going to get into some position players this week. Uh, so uh, Brent, where will you be this week? Uh, I'm excited on Tuesday night. I am heading to Harrisburg to see uh, Harrisburg against Altoona. Now, Altoona is double uh, A Pirates. And uh, if everything lines up, uh, Roanzi Contreras is supposed to start, who has had a fabulous start uh, to the year so far. And when I saw that he was going to be uh, at Harrisburg on Tuesday, uh, I made plans to go uh, check him out. For sure. Uh, Altoona has some other hitters uh, that people may be familiar with. Uh, the most prominent is uh, the 6'8 shortstop, O'Neill Cruz. Um, there's also uh, Haiwan Bay, a middle infielder, uh, Cal Mitchell, and Kanan Smith Nijba uh, are outfielders. And there's a first baseman, Mason Martin. Kind of uh, that group is sort of yeah. uh, more, more fringy types, but. Uh, you know, gives gives us uh, something to check out. Uh, Harrisburg does not has maybe one or two uh, hitters of interest, uh, but again, as as we have mentioned earlier, uh, there's not a lot of uh, top hitters in that board right now. Uh, but you never know. Maybe maybe someone um, maybe someone will pop up there. But uh, I'm excited to, uh, to head out to to uh, Harrisburg to check out Altoona. Uh, on Tuesday. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I'm excited to go see the Rays and the Braves prospects. Uh, uh, the Rays uh, have Greg Jones, a shortstop that they took in the first round in the 2019 draft. And then they also have two uh, position players that uh, uh, came via trades this year. Uh, in the Blake Snell trade, one of the guys that they got was Blake Hunt. Uh, Blake Hunt's oh. a catching prospect. Uh, uh, you know, he was kind of a, a, for some people, borderline top 100 guy. I didn't really have him that high uh, last year. Uh, you know, I, and also the Rays list, you know, guys kind of get lost in the Rays list. And uh, <laughs> and, the, and then the other acquisition was uh, Pedro Martinez, not the pitcher. I don't think any relation to the Pedro Martinez, um, but he's an infielder and he's an interesting prospect. He came from the Cubs organization. Um and then finally, uh, I, I get to go see Michael Harris and Bryce Ball again, which are guys that, that I left off the 2009, or left off. I shouldn't say left off. I should say that they were kind of like the last prospects I saw alive in 2019 at, that, at, at low A when, uh, when Rome was a low A team and not, not a high A team like it is now. Uh, Michael Harris is a very buzzworthy name right now, so... I'm interested to see him, especially since I wasn't really the biggest fan of his in 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 the prep uh, in the prep circuit here in uh, Georgia. So uh, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. always rooting for guys, but then there's there's that point where you you know we're kind of down on a guy, and uh, uh, they're kind of over exceeding their expectations a bit of what you had on them. So I'm a little interested in actually 
frankly a little nervous about that uh <laughs> about watching uh Michael Harris. I hope that he I hope that he brings it. I hope uh you know I, I noticed that Josh Norris from Baseball America was on him on set on Sunday and uh got some really uh killer swings and stuff. So I'm hoping to see see much of the same. Uh you know, but uh I'll say that I'm a little nervous that I might have been wrong on the guy. So uh <laughs> and, and that's just the, it's what our us evaluators yeah. do. You don't root against yeah. guys. But yep. there's a there's a portion. If you saw, if you didn't see it in a guy, then uh, um, you know you want to be right. And you know, thankfully, I, I'm kind of contracted. They can just let me go. But like for a for an area scout or for a supervisor or for even a scouting yeah. director, for missing on a guy is never a fun thing. So yeah, it's a big deal. But uh, yeah, we just you know again we just sort of do what we can, be honest about what we see, yep. and. Uh, and uh, also, if it changes, you know, things these players develop. That's the most one of the most interesting parts to me is these young players are uh, developing, getting better, uh, changing, you know, changing, adding pitches or changing a swing path. Yeah. So we we I think we just made it through our first episode. So uh, if so I that, had paper confetti, I'd throw it up right now because uh, uh, you know, at the start, I I got really kind of nervous. So uh, I'm 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 happy. Are you happy, Brent? I am happy. Yes, I All am right. right. Well, it was good. Well, good to get good to get through this uh, first one, and uh, I think it uh, hopefully gave uh, listeners a, a taste of of what's to come too. Yeah, and hopefully they tell their friends and uh, follow us on Twitter. You can find us. You probably found us via the. Uh, uh, you probably found this podcast via Twitter or via Baseball HQ anyway. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully this is. The first of many great episodes. Uh, Brent, as always, it was great uh, to talk to you. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the the feelings mutual, right? Yep, I had a good time. Also, good All to have right. you on. Uh, you can certainly. I want people to reach out to us. Uh, I'm a, I'm at uh, Brent HQ on Twitter, and your Twitter handle is c underscore blessing i i haven't conformed to the whole hq thing so c underscore blessing no need to conform uh just continue to put out uh put out good content as you do and and uh everyone will be happy i think okay. uh you can also you can another way to reach us is uh via email you can reach us at eyes have it at baseballhq.com and uh, we're hoping to hear from you if you have ideas for uh certain things that you would like to uh for us to cover uh within reason of course uh or just feedback on the show um or or questions that we could uh answer about prospects uh or within uh the fantasy realm uh please reach out to us there also yeah um please reach out to us uh well anyway that's the end of our show we'll see you next week and uh i guess happy prospecting Thanks for listening.